Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we get to talk to a dream guest of ours, the founder and lead singer of the Christian rock band Skillet, Mr. John Cooper. Oh, my gosh, you guys. John had so many great stories, like what our award shows are actually like in person and how hard it is not to make a mean face with the TV cameras on you, but your name is not called. My favorite stories were John talking about what his parents thought about Christian rock music and taking him to a Petra concert when he was a kid. Plus, a hilarious story of Skillet trying to make a music video that looked like the band Kiss. But the fire and pyro got a little out of control. This was such a fun conversation. And you guys, we can't wait for to hear this episode with the founder of Skillet, Mr. John Cooper. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. Okay, friends, before we get to this episode, just a friendly reminder to please hit the subscribe button on YouTube and Apple Podcast or give us a review. Five stars, please. (laughs) In our world, this is super, super important because it will help with the algorithm to make it easier for people to find us. And thank you for sharing our post across your social media. That really helps with engagement and with us getting guests. Yes. So, hey, if you want us to keep working our way up to talking to Chip and Joanna, please share us with your friends. But regardless, thank you for listening to tell us a good story all right steph are you ready for this oh my gosh he's southern i didn't know he was southern he had a little twang he does i did not know that well friends our next guest is the lead vocalist bassist songwriter producer for skillet which is one of the best-selling rock bands of this century the band was recently invited into pandora's billionaire club after garnering two Billion streams. Amazing. And he is one of the two original members of the band. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to tell us a good story, Mr. John Cooper. Uh, John Cooper. Welcome. Hey, guys. How's it going? Oh, good fantastic. You. Thank you. Oh, we're so excited to have you. Okay, John, thank you for saying yes to us. And one thing as I was reading about you that jumped off the screen at me, John, was I came to find out you had an even stricter childhood than I did as a pastor's kid, and you couldn't listen to Christian rock either. So can you tell Steph the story of growing up in a very religious household and what they didn't allow you to do? This is very similar to me, but even worse. Steph. Okay. That's really funny. Uh, that's It's good to meet somebody that knows what it's about. Like, I don't know. If, <laughs> did you go to any Bill Gothard seminars? I did not. Okay, all right. Well, well, if you had, you'd be laughing anyway. <laughs> but, but um, well, l- let me give this the whole story. So, my mom was a piano teacher, okay. and a voice teacher, and a flute teacher. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but I never, I never played flute. <laughs> Just I want that on the record. <laughs> never played flute. Um, so music was always in my house. My mom was singing opera all the time, singing you know, choir and playing piano and stuff like that. So I just was like, oh yeah, we're, we're like a music family. That's just what we do. And I remember when I was about five years old, my friend down the street, he said, he's like, Hey, we got MTV. And I was like, what's MTV? And he's like, it's music television. And I was like, what is that? And so he turns on MTV and I see my very first music video I ever saw, which was, um, beat it from Michael Jackson. Mm. And, uh, 
it's like the best thing I've ever heard. You know, I was just <laughs> m- m- like mind blown. What is this? <laughs> and and I go home and I'm telling my mom about this amazing song. And and of course, because I'm a kid, so I think I'm introducing my mom to something she's never heard of. <laughs> and come to find out, she's heard of Michael Jackson. <laughs> and she, and she gave me a holy butt whooping for singing Michael Jackson, singing the devil's music, praising the devil, singing the song, beat it. And, and I just really didn't understand. I just had in my mind, okay, you don't steal, you don't kill people, and you don't listen to any music that's not like <laughs> church music. So um, yes. years years down the road, when I was in about uh, fifth or sixth grade, you know, my, all my friends started listening to, to metal to rock music. Of course, this is the 80s. So if younger people are watching this episode, they might not understand that it used to be ubiquitous. I mean, you couldn't go to the mall without hearing Bon Jovi and Metallica. I mean, metal was pop at the time. So it was everywhere. And all my friends were listening to metal. And I remember complaining to my friend. I was like, dude, my mom would never let me bring this Metallica tape. It wasn't a CD. It was a tape. Yes. Uh, They would never let me bring this home. And he said, well, you know, there's Christian rock music. And I said, no, I didn't know that. How come nobody told me? So he gave me a Petra tape. Uh-oh. Petra is an awesome Christian band. So I brought it home to my mom, once again, replaying <laughs> that I thought I was introducing my mom to something that she never heard of. Mom, guess what? There's Christian music. And my mom freaked. I mean, it would have. it was as if I just brought home like, a satanic altar or like yes. an idol or something. And and Christian music was even worse than secular music because it was wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, they they pretended to do it for Jesus, but they truly were like devil worshipers in, in my mom's mind. And so Christian music was outlaw. They didn't like me wearing black. Um, they would not approve of my beard or my hair <laughs> <laughs> or my music or my clothes. Anyway, um, it just kind of became a really funny thing, but I always laugh about it. My mom loved Jesus. She had really good intentions. She really believed it was evil and she wanted to protect me from yeah. something she thought was wrong. And so it's a really hilarious story that I tell and, uh, not to say anything bad about my parents that, Hey, they love me. They look out for me. I think they were wrong about this one, though. <laughs> <laughs> the joke is, like pastor's kids mm-hmm. growing up, we had our first dance to Our God is an Awesome God, right? <laughs> that, that, <laughs> yeah. That's because we we're so sheltered. You were very so sheltered. I, I totally understand where you're coming from on that, John. <laughs> okay, I have a question. What were your parents' reactions when you decided to drop out of college yes. and go into Christian music? Sure, sure. Well, there's a few things that happen. And so I'll tell you my story, if that's okay, since you like stories. Yes, mm-hmm. please do. All right. So when I was in sixth grade, my mom got really sick and she was gone for like two weeks. And I was like, all right, what's going on? We found out that my mom had cancer. So she began fighting cancer. So I don't remember how old you are when you're in sixth grade, but I think that's like 10 years old or something like that. And she ended up having, you know, surgery, chemo and, 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 and all that sort of stuff. She ended up being declared cancer free as I was going into my seventh grade year. But about a year later, her cancer came back kind of like with a, a raging vengeance. She got sicker than she had been before. This cancer had kind of spread to, to her lymph nodes and all sorts of stuff. And so during that sixth to ninth grade season, you know, all people go through a difficult time in life yes. no matter what <laughs> because you're 
you're finding out who you are and your your own identity. And do I agree with what my parents teach me? How am I different from them? And you're deciding who you're going to be a lot of times for the rest of your life, your identity, you know? So that was already a difficult time. We were arguing about Christian rock music, things like that during that time. My mom died when I was an, a freshman. So I was 15 years old. She died from cancer. And there's a pretty cool story prior to her death, really only by about, I'd say, four months before she died. And that was that Petra, the band I was just talking about, which was my introduction to Christian rock music, Petra was coming in concert and all my friends were going and my parents weren't letting me go. And I was just, I was really angry. I was just like, this is ridiculous, you know? And so I think my mom realized she's not doing very good. This was a big deal. So my mom said, okay, you can't go with your friends, but I'll tell you what, I'll get the tickets. We're going to go as a family. And when, not if, when Petra starts praying to the devil or sacrifices an animal, then we're going <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to leave the concert. So I think my mom thought, this is the way my son can see that I love him. <laughs> And and then he'll see that this is really evil. So we went to the concert, one of the best nights of my life. We get in the car afterwards, and my mom says, all right, I don't like Christian rock music, but I believe that those Petra boys love Jesus. And I said, okay. And so Petra was okay from that point on. And then years and years later, when it came to doing Christian music, I just felt this burning passion in my heart to do for other people what Petra did for me and what Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant and Striper and all these great Christian bands and even secular metal bands. Music gave me hope. Music helped me through these really difficult times when I felt absolutely alone. No one in the world understood me. My mom died. I'm fighting with my dad. No one knows what I'm going through, but you put on music and music heals. You know, music is a real help to people. And that's what really was burning in me to, to do music. Hello, friends. I'm Craig Clausen, and I help Kevin and Steph with all the tech stuff for the show. But today I have a request for you. Kevin and Steph will soon be recording their 200th episode. In the podcast world, this is a big accomplishment. According to Forbes, only 8% of podcasts uploaded over the past week had created more than 10 episodes, let alone 200. And we want to celebrate with you. We would love for as many listeners as possible to give us a call at 614-699-0604 and leave them a voicemail. Let Kevin and Steph know what Tell Us a Good Story means to you. Or tell them what's been your favorite episode or story. Or just call to congratulate them. It's easy to do. Just give them a call at 614-699-0604, listen to the cute voicemail recorded by the Mason Kids, and then leave them a message. And even better, your message might appear on air for the 200th episode. I will put the phone number in the show notes for you, and please call by November 30th, 2023. And as always, thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. So how was your dad when you dropped out of college? <laughs> yeah, my, it was my mom that was, this is satanic. My dad uh -huh. was like, this is stupid. <laughs> satanic and stupid. And um, he was just like, John, it's dumb. It's girly. That's a stupid thing to do. You'll never make a living doing it. It's a dream. And, and once again, 
my dad just he's just looking out for me. Yeah. He's sort of like, you're never going to be able to make money doing right. music. Most people don't. And so he's looking out for me. So I did go to college. The truth is I just wasn't cut out for college. I was failing out of school. I couldn't focus on my grades. I didn't know how to study. Music's like playing in my head all day long. That's the thing driving me. And I just knew, I believed as I prayed, as I read my Bible, I just believed I was called to do music. And I just felt that I needed to trust God to do that. So when I dropped out of school to do music, the truth is it wasn't like I was a straight A student giving up college dreams. I wasn't <laughs> going to pass college anyway. And so, yeah, my dad was sort of like, you're throwing, you know, you're throwing your life away. I don't know why you're doing this. But at that point, I just said, hey, I got to do what I feel like I got to do. And, and and no hard feelings to my dad. He, he's just looking out for me, you know, and he's right. Most people don't make a living doing it. But ours was a story of the blessing of God. God opened doors. We walk through those doors. And I do think this as well. I do think, to be fair, that I judge success maybe differently than a lot of other people do. To me, being successful isn't about making money um, or about how big your house is or even what other people think about you or your music. Success is just being obedient to God. Success is saying, this is what God said to do. I'm going to obey him. And whatever that looks like, and whatever other people think about me, that doesn't really matter. The question is this, have you have you been a faithful steward of what the Lord told you to do? You know, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. So you get the first thing first and the other things are going to fall into place. So when you started Skillet back in 96, is it true once you started to form this band, it was only like a week later until record labels found you and was wanting to offer you a record deal. Is that correct? It's pretty close to correct. I, I would say that's that's a little bit exaggerated. It wasn't a week, but it was only several months, probably three months. Okay. And I think that the, the reason it was so crazy was that I had been playing in a different band for four years that I was really serious about. And then there was another band at my church. They had been playing for five, six years. And it was actually my pastor at the time that said, hey, John, I think that you would go good with a guitar player from the other band. What do you think about starting a side project? And, you know, you could just record some songs and and see if it's any good. And and somebody said, yeah. And if you did, they said, you should call it skillet because it would be like cooking, taking ingredients from different bands and throwing it all in a skillet and okay. making up something new. And I was like, yeah, why not? I don't, that'd be funny. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, that'd be funny. Let's try that. Because I didn't think it was going to be very serious. And and my pastor was right. We wrote four songs and it just went really well. And all of a sudden, the label was interested. And I remember my pastor saying, I'm not telling you to lie, but if they ask you how long you've been a band, don't say four months. <laughs> he said, say anything except for that. Don't lie, but find a different answer. And so I, they were like, so how long has this been going? I said, well, you know, we've... We've been playing together with our bands for for four years now, off and on, and you know we've known each other. And I was dancing. Anything. I was yes, dancing. Yes, you were. yes. Do not say only four months. And I was <laughs> dancing, switching the subject. You know. <laughs> so, can you share the story, John, about how back in 1998, Atlantic Records wanted to make Skillet their very first Christian band on the label, and then at the last second they backed out because. This is fascinating how this happened and how you guys didn't compromise at all mm -hmm. when all these labels came to you and wanted to remove Jesus and God from your lyrics, all that. 
Can you share that story? Yeah, it's funny. I don't get to share this story very often, but it's it's really ironic because you know we ended up being on Atlantic Records years later. So, you know, the funny thing is, 1998, we were working on our second album. Actually, our second album had, had already dropped, and uh, I had always felt called to do rock music. I never wanted to do only Christian, you know, Christian industry, if you want to call it that Christian music. I just wanted to play rock music, but I wanted to sing my lyrics. I want to talk about my faith. And I always thought, well, why not? I mean, that's, that's kind of how rock music started. Elvis, uh, Ray, and, and even of course, Ray was even before Elvis, Johnny Cash, people like they were just singing what was on their hearts and they might sing some gospel songs and some other kind of songs. And why not? There's nothing wrong with that. Well, I was pretty naive and I didn't realize that it, the industry is not really into that. And so when I signed with this very small independent Christian label called Ardent, Ardent Records actually had a Christian music side and Ardent had a secular music side. So in 96... They said, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to release you first in the Christian side. And then six months later to a year later, we're going to release you on the, on the mainstream side. Then our record came out in 1996. And within two months, they had actually closed down their mainstream side. It just wasn't going good. So they just crushed it. And then I was like, oh, no, what are we going to do? We got to look for a mainstream partner. Well, two years later, Atlantic was interested. And they began coming to our concerts. They sent an A&R guy to come check us out. And he said, I really like this band. I want to come back. And he came with a different guy. And he said, you know what? I really like this band, but I, I just feel like I need to know more about you guys. We were having conversations. They came to see us five times. It was really weird. It was oh, wow. over a period of like, yeah. That's a lot. It really is a lot. So for people that don't know, if they're interested, they come once. They go, wow, we want to jump on this band. They come again, and then they sign or they don't sign. They pass. This went on for four months. So five or six times they kept coming with other people. And I kept thinking, why are they doing this? The last time they saw us, the guy pulled me back and he said, hey, I love your band. I've been trying to decide how we're going to do this. And I think I figured it out. We're going to remix the album. I want to add a keyboard line on track two. That'll be the first single. And then we're going to do this. We're going to get you on tour of this. I need you to call me on Monday. Let's get this thing going. And this was on Saturday. Okay. And I said, all right, Monday I call. Nope. He never calls me back Tuesday, Wednesday, after a month, we finally hear back and he goes, here's the deal. I can't sign a Christian rock band. <laughs> so mm. this, is, this is five times. And so the reason he kept coming back with other people was he was going, am I crazy or is this band really good? I mean, but they're a Christian band. Are they good enough that we don't have to worry about the Christian thing? Can we make it work? And he just said, I'm putting my neck out on the line. He didn't say neck. He said something else. I'm putting my <laughs> neck out on the line, if you will. And I just can't sign a Christian band. It's just too much. You guys play Christian shows and blah, blah, blah. And I was pretty bummed out. And it was also doubly hard because about a year later was when Atlantic, the same label, signed P.O.D., so yes. POD ended up being their flagship Christian metal band. And oh. I was like, I was like, come on, man. And of course, POD was is a great, fantastic band. But I was just like, man, why didn't God open those doors for us? I said, it's all right. We're gonna keep keep doing what we're doing. And so the irony of the story is that five years later, in 2003, we released a record called Collide. And we end up, long story short, signed by Lava Records. Lava was through Atlantic Records. So basically five years later, after they had giant success with POD, 
we end up getting signed to Atlantic Records. But I, I will tell you, I think it was good for us because I got to see a lot of other Christian bands cross over, if you will, to the mainstream. And I don't mean this as critical as it sounds, but to do it in a way that I just would not feel comfortable doing. And it's not judgment on them that they they need to do it like Skillet did it. I just said, okay, good for them, but that's not the way that I would do it. And as a Christian music fan, it was a bummer to me to see some of these crossover artists sort of be embarrassed about being a in the Christian industry, almost like embarrassed where they came from, or maybe not embarrassed, but just not want to talk about it. You know, and that's and that's up to them, no big deal. But I just said to my manager, hey. I am not embarrassed of where I came from. I'm certainly not ashamed of the, of the name of Christ. And we need to take this from the perspective of when people say, so I heard you guys were a Christian band, rather than dancing and saying, well, we're actually a band and we are Christians, but we're not really blah, blah, blah. Just say, yes, we're a Christian band, not ashamed of it. Jesus is the best thing in my life. He is the way, the truth, the life. And that's our story. Okay, okay. I want to talk music videos with you. About a year ago? Yes. If, if you talk about Alien Youth, I'm going to be, I'm going to be so <laughs> mad. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. So a year ago, we had Andy Irwin on the show. Okay? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Love Andy Irwin. And he told us a story. And we are curious if this is your band. He would not name the band. No. But <laughs> we want to confirm this was you guys, all right? And then you can give us your side of the story. So we were talking about pyrotechnics, right? Uh-huh. And he said on these music videos, he would have pyro guys come in. And some of them were just like crazy, off the wall, like bigger the flames, the better. And he said they were doing a music video. And the pyro guy came to him and said, hey, let's do the, the flame of death or whatever. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that sounds intense. And so he said they do the pyro, and he said the female drummer, as soon as they yelled cut, took off and ran into the trailer. And he said, <laughs> he said he was like, huh, that's odd. So he and John, his brother, went behind the drum kit and said, hey, go ahead and turn it on. And he said as soon as they turned the flames on, it was like their face was melting. He said, it's like we're cooking ourselves. So he said he ran into the trailer and apologized to the female because they almost set her on fire, is, is what they did. So, we want to cover, is, is that, that Skillet? Yes. Is that you guys? That is definitely Skillet. Yes! yes. <laughs> oh, my yes. gosh. I mean, everything's a really good idea until you try it. All right? <laughs> so... You know, I love the pyro. By that time in our career, we had done pyro for a lot of our concerts. The difference was, and I didn't know it at the time because I was just like really into the fire. I just like, make us look like the band Kiss. That's all that I want. Make (laughs) us look like Kiss. And so we did that. and We looked like Kiss. The difference was when we did this video, it was for the song Hero. Those are a different kind of, it's, it's like liquid something, okay. which is a is different than propane. So when you see Skillet Live or when you see the band Kiss or something, it's it's propane and you get it and, and the propane goes up. This is a liquid thing and it's a much bigger shot. And if people seen the video for our, people need to go see the video for Skillet's Hero. Uh, I mean, those flames, uh, they are, <laughs> I, I don't know, 60 feet in, in the air. Oh my gosh. Huge. They're huge. And I was like, they're really far back. They'll be fine because we play shows all the time, you know, so we do our thing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> woo, those things were so 
hot. And I remember thinking, okay, it's hot, but it's not as hot as what Jen is saying. But to be fair, she was, I don't know, 20 or 30 feet closer to them than I was. Okay. And and I didn't know it was that hot. We just, we did what we got to do. And I remember thinking that burns a little bit, but it'll be fine. <laughs> and I went back there too. And I was like, oh, <laughs> jeepers. I'm telling you, man, it was so hot. And then after that, the second half of the video, they turn on these huge hoses, like fire hoses, supposed to look like you're playing in the rain. And they have they all these firemen show up and they're doing the big hoses and it's freezing. The rain is it's like so cold that you're shaking, but you can't look like you're shaking in a video because that's not very rock and right, roll. Right. So then you're burning up and then freezing. <laughs> then the flames go off and it's so hot, but it's a you know what? The video's amazing and it was absolutely worth it, but don't tell my drummer. <laughs> yes, third degree burn from it this was music worth video. It. It's, it's worth it for someone else to suffer so that I can look good. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> all right, Steph, I'm going to test you again here. What is your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, it's the Bible, Kevin. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Very good. This time you didn't say the book we wrote called You Met Her Where. But it's still a really good book. That is true. And it would make a great gift for friends or relatives on their birthday or for Christmas. Friends, you can order your copy of our book titled You Met Her Where at KevinAndSteph.com. And we will make sure to personally sign a copy for you or whoever you want. And as always, thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. All right, John, for all of our guests, I like to give a list of fun facts to let listeners know what you've done, what you've accomplished. And Steph is not aware of any of these, okay? So you're going to see her genuine, authentic response on these, okay? Mm -hmm. So keep me honest here, and this is going to spurn some stories. (laughs) So if I'm wrong on any of these, please feel free to correct me. Mm -hmm. All right, Steph? Let's do it. Okay, fun fact number one. Steph, as you know, John's wife, Corey, is in the band as well. Yes. She plays the rhythm guitar and keyboard, and they have toured together all of their 27 plus years of marriage, along with their two children. So I have a lot of questions about working with your wife because Steph and I, this might be the only thing we can do together. Only thing we can work on together, like nothing else. Okay. (laughs) So how does it work? Because she was not, she was not one of the founding members. So when she joins Skillet, is it like you got to have a conversation with the guys? Hey, listen, my wife wants to be in the band. <laughs> Yoko Ono. Happy wife, happy life. Like, how does that work? How does she end up joining the band? I think three years later. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So so Skillet's first record came out in November of 96. We got married March the next year. So only about five, four or five months after the first record came out. She came on the road with us when we got okay. married so that we could just be together. And she uh, was helping sell T-shirts and all sorts of stuff because at the time, like we were doing it, we were driving ourselves in a van and all that. So she was doing those things. Within about seven months, we were writing music for the next record. And the band, me and the other songwriter, which is the guitar player, we were saying, hey, we really need to kind of change the sound. We're adding keyboards. We're adding this in. And so it just became natural. It was like, hey, we need a keyboard player. And, uh, and, and, and I should have said, actually, my wife, Corey, played in her own band before we were married. So she was the singer and keyboard player for her own group before we got married. And so she quit that group to go on the road with us t- so we could be married. Wow. And I was like, well, Cor- like Corey's an amazing She's an amazing musician. She's already on the road. <laughs> we can't afford to pay anybody else anyway. <laughs> if we're going to add keys, then we may as well have Corey do it. Even though there aren't very many girls in rock bands, 
if they're if girls rock, I think that's a really cool look. Mm-hmm. And so it was sort of a natural. We never really kind of said, "Hey, we need to have Corey in the band now." So the truth is, is that on the second album, she wasn't quote unquote in the band, but she was a live performer for the band. And right. so by the third record, it was like, well, duh, she's in the band now, you know, and she's doing all these other things. So it kind of happened naturally in that way. All right. So is it true, John, that when you met your wife, future wife, Corey, the week before you had committed to God that you were no longer dating? Is that true? That's true. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you go back and like, okay. Hey, what we talked about last week. Take it back, uh, God. Take it back. <laughs> you know what? The Bible says to, to let your yes be yes and your no be no. Do not make oaths. There's a reason you don't make oaths because God expects you to stick to them. So, uh, you know, there you go. Food for thought for all the young people that make rash oaths. <laughs> all right, Steph. Next fun fact. John and the band have been nominated twice for the Grammy Awards. Mm. Their records have gone platinum 17 times. Oh, my goodness. And they've won a Billboard Music Award, multiple Dove Awards, and on and on. Uh-huh. So, John, let's talk about these award shows. What is it like when you're in person there, right? Because you know the camera's on you. Are you doing your best that when you don't win, like you don't yell out, dang it, or you give you're a mean face, or you're smiling, you're praying, for, you're, you put your hand out, like <laughs> praying for the winner. How does this work in person? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It is always the awkward thing when you're like... If I'm making a weird face, no, be normal. But if I'm normal, does it look like I don't care? And then I do care, but I don't care so much that I don't want somebody else to do good. Yeah, you're going through all these stupid emotions, and and it's really annoying. Yeah, I mean, the truth is, is, you know, it's always fun to win something. But, uh, I mean, just because you don't win an award doesn't mean you didn't make great music. And if you do win an award, doesn't mean your music's good. All these things go into it. So the truth is, I'm like, hey, I'm here. I'm enjoying this. If we don't win, I don't really mind because I don't really find my identity in that. But I do go through the range of emotions of what does my face look like right now? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. I saw a video clip, John, and I thought this was like the ultimate power move. You won some type of award. It may have been like a, what was it? Uh, A K-Dove or or something for your book. Michael W. Smith announces, you win the award, you go up, you get the, the award, the trophy, you hand it to Michael W. Smith and ask him, <laughs> here, can you hold this for me while you give your speech? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like the ultimate power move. So did you mean to, did you mean to do that? Or just like, are you friends with him? And I was curious how that worked. Yeah, it is really funny. I remember thinking, I had this piece of paper in my pocket, and there's no way I can do it. And I don't know what to do. And I was thinking, we're friendly. It's not like uh-huh. I know Michael's. Okay. It's not like me and Michael, me and Mike are buddies or anything. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I'm a hu- he's an icon. I'm a huge fan of Michael W. Smith. He's a really good man as well. And he knows who I am. We know each other. And I think we both appreciate each other. But it's not like I, we're buddies. And I was like, I don't think he'll mind. I remember doing it and then I made a joke. But I was like, all right, my life just got made. I just asked Michael W. Smith to <laughs> hold my award. <laughs> That was so good. <laughs> Hold this. He's awesome. Michael Smith, he's awesome. And he was one of the handful of people I was allowed to listen to back in the 80s. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Yes. I, I think I think something to do with his handsomeness probably made some of the moms uh, give in. They go, I'm sure. All right. Well, he looks, he looks sure. like a, a wholesome a, guy. He's a good boy. Yes. yes. I bet he reads the King James Version. <laughs> 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 All right, Steph. Next fun fact. 
Skillet songs have been used numerous times in pop culture. Okay. I didn't know it was this frequent. Okay, this is super cool. So the song Awake and Alive was on the soundtrack for the movie Transformers. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was also used in November 2009 in a promo for the soap opera One Life to Live. Really? Talk about extremes, John. That's wild. <laughs> it was wild. The song You're My Hope was featured on the popular CW show called America's Top Model. Mm -hmm. The song Hero was used in TV commercials for the NFL Mm -hmm. on NBC. It was the theme song for WWE's Royal Rumble in 2010. Monster was used on MTV's Bully Beatdown and in WWE event Hell in the Cell. And then one of their other songs, Rebirthing, is the theme song for the Philadelphia Flyers Mm -hmm. when they come out on the ice. Mm -hmm. So... Go ahead. Well, I want to know, like, when Hollywood calls you for the Transformers movie, are you just like, oh my gosh, this is actually happening? Like, what is going through your mind? Put it in the trailer. (laughs) Yeah, and it uh, it really is amazing. Um, I I remember when that first started happening, I was like, are you serious? I I just couldn't believe it because people also have to remember that, that none of that happened until 2009, which means we've been a band for 13 years. So we had had four or five records out. And in, and so all of a sudden, 13 years later, we became an overnight success. I mean, like the album came out, it went really big. It hit it radio. All these places were playing the music and I just couldn't believe it. So I was a little bit like a, a giddy kid, you know, I was mm-hmm. like, are you serious? Transformers. Oh my gosh. You know, and I was like not playing it cool at all. It was not like John at the award shows. It was John, yeah. like a, like a giddy kid. You know, <laughs> It wasn't me like the deer, deer in the headlights at the award show. So I just want to let you know the way you felt when Hollywood or the Transformers movie called for your music is how Kevin reacted when you said yes to him. Yes. If he was fist pumping the air, screaming, jumping, he's like, that's, oh, that's what we funny. just got. But here's the problem, John. I go to my wife and I'm like, hey, you're not going to believe this. John Cooper just said yes to us. We're going to talk to John Cooper next week. Well, we're in Columbus, Ohio. Steph's like, we're talking to the retired Ohio State football coach, John I Cooper. <laughs> Why are we doing yeah. that? I'm like, no. Yeah. No, the it. cooler, the rocker, John Cooper. Like, oh, okay, like, that's oh, better. Okay, that's amazing. That is the best story. I love. I absolutely love that. Great, good work. <laughs> yep. If you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. All right, Steph. So, next fun fact. Currently on tour in Louisiana this uh-huh. weekend, Skillet. They are doing 33 concerts in the next 50 days. <gasps> they are actually going to be in Ohio, Steph, the day this drops. No way! In Youngstown at the Cabelli Center. So, we oh, need to check our schedules amazing. for that. So, do you have any good stories from being on tour? The one I'm thinking of in particular, John, is I heard you tell a story one time about a grandma who was kind of stalking you from place to place. <laughs> Can you share that story or any other stories you have from being on tour? Any crazy <laughs> any crazy fan interactions? 
Yeah, I mean, th- there really is not a better story than than this. So yes, I will share about the the stalking grandma, um, and it's also <laughs> relevant because um, I just released a book. So this comes out November seventeenth, called Wimpy, Weak, and Woke. You can get it on Amazon, or you can get it at my uh, website, JohnLCooper.com. I tell this story in chapter one, and the reason I tell this story is to explain a time when I was wimpy and weak. So people don't feel like I'm just yelling at people all the time. I'm sharing stories from my life of the sometimes the ridiculous things that I think and do. So here we go. This is now you gotta remember this is a long time ago. I can't remember what year I'd have to think about it. But it was it was long enough ago that we didn't have a tour manager. <laughs> okay. So in other words, when you don't have money to pay a bus driver, you got to drive your own bus. When you don't have a problem, uh, money for a bus, you got to drive your own van. You have to, you have to tour manage your own self. You don't have any security. You got to do what you got to do. Well, we used to go sign autographs for hours after our shows because we didn't have anybody to help. Didn't have anybody to help make a line. You just got to go do it. And one night, we were. Uh, Playing a show, I met this girl afterwards. She said she wanted to talk. There's a young girl. She's like, can I have a, a, a to tell you what's going on in my life? She shared her mom was sick. She's being raised by her grandmother and this, that, and the other. Well, about two months later at a different show in a different town, I saw that girl and I remembered her. And she was with an older woman. And I thought, I bet that's the grandmother because I remembered the story. And so I I had shared at that concert that night about how my mom had died from cancer and I and I wrote a song about it, yada, yada. Well, after this, so there's about 2,000 people in a gymnasium. I'm in the middle. I'm just signing, talking to people. This woman, the grandmother, walks up. She's probably about five foot two, and she comes up to me, and she she just like bear hugs me, and she won't let me go. And she's looking up at me because she's quite short, and so she's looking up at me, totally pressed up against me, and she's staring at me, and she said, that story you told about your mother that is so powerful. But, and you know, I'm so proud of you and I'm going to be your spiritual mother and you have a mother and I'm your mother and I'm praying for you. And I wish I had a son like you. And for about three minutes, she would not let me go. And I just sat there totally uncomfortable, sort of like waiting to find out at the Dove Awards or at the award show, if they're going to call my name <laughs> or are they going to call some, some lame band's name? <laughs> I'm just joking. And you're sitting there, I'm totally like eyes wide open. Everybody's looking. Some people are like uncomfortable and they feel bad. They're pitying me. And I don't know what to do because it's so awkward. About six months later, we do another show. This time we were doing autographs behind a table and I saw her and I look over to my wife next to me who signed autographs. I say, Corey, do not leave me alone with that woman. You do not leave my side, honey. In the name of Jesus, you don't leave my side. She says, okay. And so we signed autographs for about an hour and a half because there's like 2,000 people in line. It was so long. And at the end, you know, people say, John, I want to tell you a story. And the next person, John, I want to tell you a story. They're telling me stories. And my wife forgot and she left me. And uh, so I thought, I'm going to stay behind the table and I'll be fine. She comes up. She moves the table out of the way. (laughs) And she sits down right next to me and she puts her hand around my neck like this. And she says, your mother would be so proud of you. What you do for these kids. And I start to feel this pull on my neck. And I remember thinking, gosh, there's pressure on my neck. What is happening? My mind goes in slow motion. She's pulling my my head closer to hers. And I'm thinking, 
in slow motion. I think she's going to kiss me. I think that's what's going to happen. This old woman is going to kiss me, and I don't know what to do. I don't want to hurt her feelings. Everybody's looking. This is so bizarre. Maybe it's okay that she kisses me because no old, like, no grandma has got weird, you know, inappropriate thoughts. I'm like 25. There's no way that would be the case because people aren't like that. And maybe it's normal. And my face, I'm telling you, is an inch away from her. And I suddenly was like, God, this is weird as crap. What's going on? <laughs> so I turned my head and she barely misses my lips. She kisses oh, me no. right here. She, she kisses me on the face and then she looks me directly in the eye and she says, don't you dare do that to me. <laughs> and I'm looking at her and then she says, remember, John, I'm your mother now. <gasps> True story. And I was like, not today, Satan. So anyway, I, I, uh, I write that story in my book. <laughs> because I walked into the dressing room. I literally walk in and Corey looks at me. And she goes, John, what's wrong? You look terrible. You look white as a ghost. And I said, you left me alone with that old grandma. And she tried to kiss me on the lips. And my guitar player started laughing and he goes, oh, grandma freaky deek, huh? And so it became, I tell the story of grandma freaky deek in the first chapter of my book to explain to people that you have to stand up for what is right and letting something ridiculous like that happen because you're too polite is actually not good. It is a bad thing. Sometimes you're going to have to hurt somebody's feelings to stand up for truth. And that's oh. the moral of the story. You can buy the book on Amazon or johnlcooper.com. Well, friends, please go to his website, johnlcooper.com, to get that book. It released this week. His Instagram account is johnlcooper, or you can go to Skillet's Instagram account at Skillet Music. Also, he has a huge podcast called Cooper Stuff Podcast that has just exploded. So please check that out, and we'll put links to all this in our show notes so you can click on it and go right to all those pages. Well, John... Oh my Thank gosh, you I had so much, so much fun. My with mouth you. hurts from laughing my and mouth, smiling my just now. My smile is so big right so now. So thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> it was great chat with you guys. Thank you. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. You guys, it's completely free. And while you're there, feel free to give us a rating or a nice review. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. <laughs>